You're listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. Interference Archive is a social space, exhibition venue, and OpenStax archive of social movement materials. Our work is rooted in the belief that our shared history should be held in common and accessible to all. Back in February, we released an episode that included an interview with two organizers of the Closed Rikers campaign, a collaboration between the Catal Center for Health, Equity, and Justice, and Just Leadership USA. Rikers Island is the most notorious jail in the country, and so our position is, you know, enough reform. You know, the only way forward right now is to really close the island. That's Asia Hayes. At the time of our interview, she was the lead organizer for the Catal Center. And this is the director of strategy and campaigns, Melody Lee. Incarceration is not a solution to public safety issues. In fact, it's actually quite the opposite, um, and that our investment really should be focused on communities and in the social safety net. The campaign is in a very different place now. In June of this year, Mayor de Blasio unveiled a 10-year plan to close Rikers Island. Here's a short clip from our original episode. We know there are a lot of human rights abuses on Rikers. Would, would you be able to talk about some of maybe the most common? What I can tell you is what my, our members have told us about their experiences being on Rikers, which is that the moment you get to Rikers, you have to adapt to a culture where the only way to survive is to be violent, and that is protecting yourself against other detainees. That could be the guards. So there's this physical violence that people have to endure, and then there's this psychological violence that people have to endure just because they are incarcerated, and losing your freedom is a traumatizing experience. There's a constant dehumanization that happens on Rikers, you know, beyond just this visceral experience that one has when they um, enter the facility, which is, in fact, actually a 10-jail complex. You know, the dehumanization by correctional officers, the amount of security that folks are forced to go through, the conditions, the palpable sense of, you know, decrepit space that is not actually healthy um, or safe to be in, gets compounded beyond those who are detainees. It affects those who work there, and it also affects the family members and loved ones who visit Rikers. You know, I think the factors that have led to what we see at Rikers is just the consequence and the outcomes of our long history of just wanting to disinvest and destroy black and brown communities. You know, 89% of detainees at Rikers are black and brown. And I see that as being uh, completely connected to the history of who used to own the land. The land was once owned by the Riken family, Dutch settlers who bought the island in the 1660s. One notorious member of that family was Richard Riker. In the 1800s, Riker was a municipal officer who used his power in the courts to enable the kidnapping and sale of free black people, while collecting a share of the kidnappers' profits. Today, Riker's Island has become a prominent example of the criminalization of poverty. Almost 80% of people currently held on Rikers are pre-trial. Um, so these are folks who have not been convicted of a crime. Um, they're awaiting their trial date. The issues with the court systems and levels of congestion, issues around bail and how bail is set, leads to folks who are sitting in Rikers detained for these indefinite periods of time, waiting there until they have their day in court. What do you think it would take for the campaign to be successful? What would need to happen in order for Rikers to close? The clear demand for the closure of Rikers rests on Mayor de Blasio. He himself can actually uh, commit to closing Rikers Island. 
Now that the mayor has made a commitment, the Close Rikers campaign has had to change their approach. I spoke with Imani Brown, the organizing coordinator at the Catal Center. Let's talk about the reaction that the Catal Center and the Close Rikers campaign had to de Blasio's announcement. So, I mean, it was a really exciting time because we had no idea when the mayor came out uh, that Friday morning on the Brian Lehrer's show to say that he was going to make an announcement about Rikers. We had no idea what he was actually going to end up saying. Uh, we thought it could go either way. We thought he could either sort of double down on his position um, for the past couple of years, which had been that closing Rikers was a noble idea, but that it was impractical and it was better to focus on reforming the space. And we hoped that, you know, he might have actually come around because in the in the months leading up to it, especially um, as he was getting closer and closer to his election, we had started to see some shifts in the way that he was talking about uh, the idea of closing Rikers. That day when he made the announcement that he was going to make an announcement, we sort of had to do this mad dash to gather and turn out all these folks that we had been working with over the course of, of that year on the campaign with to say, hey, we don't know what he's going to say, but the mayor's about to make an announcement about Rikers, and we just want to be ready uh, for whatever outcome. When we actually gathered at City Hall, they ended up, once they saw the turnout we had, switching it from like a public event to a closed event. But we still stayed like outside the gates um, around the area and watched him make the announcement from like our phones. And there was just this huge flood of emotion. People were crying, people were hugging. There was just this sort of like outpouring of um, excitement and I think hope. But Rikers won't close immediately. According to the mayor's plan, it could take a decade to close the jail. At the point that the mayor made the decision or made the announcement about his commitment to closing Rikers, the campaign as a whole had to reckon with the fact that this was really just a commitment and that it was a commitment that was being made on a 10-year timeline. You know, you can make a commitment to closing Rikers down, but unless there are some really concrete things that happen to reduce the pretrial population that we hold in New York City, commitment or not, it's just not going to be viable um, on any kind of timeline. Um, I think for the Catal Center's point of view, we have sort of pivoted to focus a lot more on some of the pretrial detention issues. There are a couple of different criminal justice issues that particularly affect the pretrial population, and those, I would say, are speedy trial, discovery, and bail reform. The Constitution guarantees the right to a speedy trial, but in practice, detainees can spend months or years in jail without a trial. Discovery is the means through which the defense learns about the prosecution's evidence against a defendant. This is a point at which the trial process tends to get stuck. And bail is the primary reason so many people end up in jail awaiting trial. We're holding thousands and thousands of people every day, every month, every year, simply because they're too poor to buy their own freedom. And now we've been just trying to make sure that as many people understand how bail in New York works as possible, because... It is a little bit more complicated here than it is in a lot of other places. And what we found is that as many differing opinions as there are on pathways for reform, is sort of the extent to which like folks need to sort of just at a baseline understand what the law says about bail right now. And so we've been hosting a lot of different educational events 
about what bail is and about how it actually works in practice. And then sort of from there, trying to facilitate conversations with a bunch of different folks about what they think then makes the most sense. Um, And we'll keep as many of the folks who've been targeted in this as safe as possible. The campaign is focused on building a community of people who are invested in fighting mass incarceration. We're kind of at a point where criminal justice reform is on a lot of people's minds, but unless we're kind of centering the folks who have actually really been impacted the most by these issues, the changes that we're going to make are just going to be totally off base. And so I'm just hoping, I think, that over the next couple of months, we can be building as much power, awareness, and leadership around these issues as possible because it's something that not a lot of people feel they have control over in large part because a lot of these systems we talk about bail we talk about jails have been totally normalized and people have made this false equivalency between punishment and, and safety you know and so I think in the work that we're doing always we're trying to put the emphasis on health we're trying to put the emphasis on freedom we're trying to put the emphasis on what it takes to actually put the resources into communities um, that have been just chronically underdeveloped and underinvested in. You've been listening to Audio Interference, produced by Interference Archive. The archive is collectively run and volunteer-powered. If you like what you heard today, consider making a donation to help keep the archive up and running. Just go to interferencearchive.org and click on Donate. From all of us at Audio Interference, thanks for listening.